Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you most of all that you have, by your grace, united us to your Son, Jesus. And that by being united to him, we have died, we have been buried, and we have been raised to new life. We thank you for that illustration in baptism this morning that our old self has died and we are now one with Christ. I pray as we open your word and we learn more of Christ this morning that you would please help us. Help us to learn what we did not know. Help us to apply what we have not obeyed. And help us to worship what we have not seen of Christ before. It's in his mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, it is now a familiar story that you hear often. A man becomes infected with the disease. He begins to show symptoms. Then he goes to get tested and examined. Upon a positive diagnosis, he is sent into quarantine. He's required to stay six feet from people. He must wear a face covering over the lower half of his face. He needs to then stay in quarantine until he is symptom-free, at which point he gets the all-clear to enter society again. Now, you may have thought that I was just describing someone who's come down with COVID-19, but I'm actually talking about someone who has come down with leprosy in biblical times. It's eerie, is it not, how similar some of the parallels are to our current situation, including face face coverings and six feet of distance. And yet one significant difference between leprosy, biblical leprosy, and COVID-19 is that those who contracted a leprous disease most often had uh, became social outcasts for the remainder of their lives. They were ceremonially unclean under the Mosaic law, and thus they contaminated everything that they touched and everywhere that they went. In fact, the rabbis taught that if a leper even poked his head into your front door, your whole house was unclean. This was the lot of the leper. Leviticus outlined for the people the solitary life that the leper was to live. Leviticus 13, it says, the leprous person who has the disease, shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. You see, biblical lepers had a problem that affected every aspect of their lives. It was a problem they couldn't solve, And no one else could help them with it. They were permanently contaminated unless God acted in their lives. Today in our text, we're going to meet one of those lepers. We're going to see the desperate predicament that he is in. And we're also going to see how Jesus was his only hope for cleansing. And folks, as we look at this study this morning, we see this leper in this text. We need to see and to be reminded that we 
too, have a problem that affects every area of our lives. A problem we can't solve ourselves, a problem that other people can't help us with. A problem for which Jesus is the only hope as well. You see, we need cleansing from Jesus just like the leper did. And so let's begin by reading our passage. If you're not there already, I invite you to open your copy of God's Word to Luke chapter 5. The Gospel of Luke chapter 5. As you're turning there, just to set a little bit of context, Jesus is in the midst of his Galilean ministry. He uh, grew up and then he was baptized and upon that baptism was sent into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan in which he was victorious. He then came out of that going into Galilee and started his public ministry as Luke records. We've already seen him do some amazing things, cast out demons, heal Peter's mother-in-law of a high fever, and many other such things. He has wowed the people with his teaching as he taught unlike anyone else they'd ever heard. And here Luke continues this amazing ministry and to see the effect it has upon the people. We'll read this morning Luke chapter 5 verses 12 through 26. Follow along as I read. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This morning, as we look at these few verses in the Gospel of Luke, this passage is for all of us. This is for all of us, for us to see how cleansing could come from Christ. How can we be confident that if we are to go to Jesus, we can be cleansed as well? The leper in this story gives us the keys to that. And so in this text, we will learn there are five keys to receiving cleansing from Jesus. Five keys. And the first key is this. Number one, to identify with the leper's predicament. The first key to seeing cleansing from Jesus is to identify with the leper's predicament. And we'll see this in the beginning of verse 12. It says, while he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. Came a man full of leprosy. It says that this took place in one of the cities of Galilee. We don't know which city. And we don't know which one uh, because it doesn't matter to the point of the story. While Jesus is there in the city, the text says that a man full of leprosy approaches him. And we need to get a little bit of understanding biblically of what leprosy is. Leprosy is defined biblically in Leviticus 13 through and 14. We're not going to turn there, but there is great detail about how the priests were to identify these skin issues that were found on people and whether it was truly leprosy or not. And what 
called leprous in those chapters in Leviticus 13 and 14 are a variety of skin diseases. And we don't know exactly what those skin diseases are today. There's been guesses, but we don't truly know exactly what they were. But the point is, it doesn't seem to be one disease that's described. Because today, if you look up leprosy in the dictionary, you're going to get some sort of definition on a very prescribed or very certain kind of condition known commonly as Hansen's disease. It's a condition which causes severe disfiguring skin sores and nerve damage in the arms, legs, and skin areas around the body. And it's because of this nerve damage that people with leprosy are confined to what some have called a painless hell. They cannot feel, and so therefore they do a number of things to injure themselves and keeping their hands and appendages places and continuing to injure themselves, not knowing that they're doing that. And so thus the sufferers often end up quite disfigured. So I don't think that we should equate Hansen's disease with the Bible calls leprosy. It might be included, but I don't think it's exclusively that. It seems to be broader if you read Leviticus 13. Now for those, as I've said earlier, for those who were determined to have leprosy, they were considered ceremonially unclean. You see, God was a holy God, and therefore, in order for, for him to live with his people, he had to set up rules about what was, what was pure and what, was, what, could, what could approach him. And so he set up this law determining what was clean and what was unclean. And if they ever became defiled in some way, there was a process by which they could be cleaned. They could be ceremonially cleaned and be ushered back into society. But with leprosy, it was a skin condition. It was something that happened to them, and therefore there was no thing that could, that could end that. They, there was no place they could go to have that condition dealt with and thereby then be cleansed. They were considered permanently unclean, cast out of society, unless God were to heal him. So for as long as they had the the disease, they were considered social pariahs. They had no way to earn a living, and therefore they had to resort to beg for food from the very people they were supposed to stay away from. Now because of this unclean designation, the rabbis began equating leprosy with great sin. It was such an unfortunate turn of events for them, for someone to get this leprosy and then to be cast out of society that they began to think that this person must have done something, some great evil in order to cause this to happen to them. And so the people then, there was great disdain for these folks, not only because they had the disease, but because they must have committed some sort of great evil. And so they were not only distanced from by the people because of the disease and because of the uncleanliness, but because of a moral disdain as well. This continued on even into the church era. One writer wrote this. He said, In the early Latin church, when a man was stricken with leprosy, they celebrated last rites and read the burial service over him. And the the author says, This ghastly usage was in entire accordance with the Jewish sentiment. Because these four, says the Talmud, are reckoned as dead. The blind, the leper, the poor, and the childless. So the man that we meet here in verse 12 could rightly be called the walking dead. He has been cast out of society. He has no life or no existence other than begging for his food every day. He has an incurable disease and he knows it. And friends, what I want you to see this morning and remember from the scriptures is that we too have an incurable disease. 
We, do, we too have a problem that we cannot solve. But see, the issue is humanity doesn't want to admit that problem. They, they don't want to say that they have a problem. Yet the Bible is very clear. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 says that all of humanity is spiritually dead. They are spiritual corpses. They are the spiritually walking dead. They are alive physically, but inside, as Jesus said, there are dead man's bones. And this means that everyone then, without Christ, is spiritually dead and unclean. Our sin has affected every part of us. It's infected our minds, our hearts, our actions, our thoughts, our words. Our life upon this earth without Christ is defined by this infection. We know deep down that the Bible's indictment of humanity is accurate. I mean, th think of humanity and what we see hitting the news headlines these days as we read Paul's indictment here in Ephesians chapter 4. He says they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Friends, the first step to being cleansed by Jesus is to identify with the leper's predicament, to realize that you and I, too, are unclean. You and I have a problem that we cannot solve. We have a problem that we cannot clean up. We are unclean spiritually, and we are just as hopeless as this leper. You see, the first step to finding salvation in Jesus is confessing your sins. It's to admitting that you indeed are a sinner. That you are admitting with God with what He has spoken about you in His Word. That you are dead spiritually. That you are a sinner. We must admit that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Romans 3.23 says. We must admit that our hearts is are deceitful and desperately wicked, as Jeremiah 17.9 says. And we must admit that the wages of our sin is death, Romans 6.23. You see, without Christ, we too are in a predicament. Divine justice demands that we pay for our sin. And the justice of God, the wrath of God, hangs over each one of our heads because of our rebellion. Now you may be here today or listening to me and you may think that you're a, generally a good person or that you're not as bad as other people that you see around you. But you see, God does not grade on a curve. He compares us to His standard of perfection and holiness. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 48, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfection is the standard, and none of us measure up to that. You see, for us to know the joy and freedom of being cleansed of all our sin, we must first identify with the leper here. We must admit that we too are helpless, we are hopeless because of our sin, that we have a far greater disease than this leopard had, leper had upon our hearts. So we must first identify with the leper. The second key to receiving cleansing from Christ is to emulate the leper's posture. We must emulate the leper's posture. Let's see what he does here, the second half of verse 12. 
He says, and when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. This leper barges towards Jesus, falls at his feet, and pleads with the Lord to act on his behalf. Now, the important thing we need to realize is that he would never have done this to a rabbi, to any other teacher of the law during this time. Because, you see, rabbinic Judaism at this time did not foster compassion for this, these sorts of people. But as we said, there was disdain looking down at sufferers with leprosy. Lepers were told they were not allowed to enter a walled town, one of the larger towns that had walls around it. As we read, they had to tear their garments, they had to dishevel their hair, and they had to go around crying out, unclean, unclean. The rabbis said to keep a minimum distance of six feet from a leper unless they were upwind from you, at which case it should be greater than a hundred feet. Now, if a leper went where he was not allowed, he would receive the punishment of 40 stripes. No one was allowed to salute or greet a leper. Their beds were to be low, slanting towards the ground. One rabbi stated that he would not eat an egg that was purchased in a street where there was a leper. And another rabbi, get this, boasted that he always threw stones at lepers to keep them far off, while others hid themselves or ran away. And now you can see why this leper went to Jesus and why he didn't go to a rabbi. He would have fled from a rabbi, but he knew Jesus was different. He'd heard the accounts. The news had spread that there was a man, a teacher who was going through Galilee, who was healing and who had compassion on those who were sick and who were ill. And so he comes and casts himself before Jesus with the humblest of postures. Cast him down at his feet, face down. And think of, think of what this man had to go through to get there. I mean, it says that Jesus was in one of the cities, which means that Jesus wasn't out near the leper's territory. The leper had to cross several social boundaries in order to be able to get to Jesus. He had to push past people who hated him. He had to, to no doubt, endure visceral repulsion at the sight of him. People saying things about his appearance, saying things about him, telling him to get away. What are you doing here? They would have angrily hurled insults at him because they were going to contaminate him. He was going to contaminate them. And so you can almost picture the commotion as this, this unclean man starts going towards Jesus and the crowds kind of part like the Red Sea as they all don't want to be near him. And so the space is cleared for him to go near Jesus and he falls on his face before him. No doubt if the rabbis hear of this, they're going to give him 40 lashes for disobeying his, the law. But what drives a man to risk so much? Well, it's his faith in the person of Jesus. He believes Jesus is who he says he is. He believes Jesus, unlike the rabbis, is kind to the outcast. And he knows that Jesus has power that no one else has. And so it's because of his faith his faith in Jesus Christ, that he humbles himself and throws himself at Jesus' feet. I love the phrase here in the middle of verse 12. It says, and when he saw Jesus. When he saw Jesus. Can you imagine how this man, when he 
when he heard first that this man Jesus was around and going through Israel, healing in this sort of way, what kind of hope may have leapt up in his heart? Just saying, I've got to see him. I've got to get to him. I've got to. And so he's, he's looking. He's no doubt traveled. He's, he's, where can I find this man? He's waiting. And then when he sees him, there he is. I've got to go. And he rushes towards Jesus, collapsing at his feet. He calls out, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He, had, he knew that Jesus had the power to be able to heal. He didn't doubt the power. He just questioned whether Jesus actually wanted to. Are you willing to heal me, Jesus? I know you can. And if you're willing, then I can be cleaned. He knew at this moment that nothing else mattered. Every risk was worth it. He needed Jesus, and he's willing to pay whatever the price was in order to get to him. And this lesson is instructive for us as well. For us to know that the cleansing power of Jesus, we must not only confess our sin, but we must go to the only one who has the power to deal with our sin. We must emulate the leper's posture and go and throw ourselves before Jesus. We must have faith like the leper. We must have humility like this leper. We must spiritually fall down before the Lord Jesus, crying out for him to save us, for him to clean us. You see, it's not enough just to get our sins off our chest. A general confession in which we tell somebody that we've messed up. We must confess our sins to the one whom we've offended, the holy God, represented before us in the person of Christ. Just talking out our mistakes and our sins might make us feel better, but it doesn't bring cleansing. There's no peace. Our sins must be dealt with before a holy God. And Jesus is the only one that can deal with them in the right way. Some of you listening to me this morning are carrying a load of guilt. You are living a life contrary to the word of God. You're rebelling against the Lord. Maybe not publicly, but maybe privately. You know this way is wrong. You know this is not what God calls of you. And let me if, just for a moment speak to those of you who have grown up in the church teenagers and young people. Some of you are in this category right now. You've grown up in this church. You know all the right things. And yet, you are choosing instead to follow your sin and to follow the enticements of the world. There is no life outside of Christ. You are living under a load of guilt. And so I exhort all of you to not harden your hearts. If you have uncleanness in your life that you know of and that this, the Spirit of God is convicting you of, do not harden yourself. Do not, do not recoil back into your sin and into your selfishness, but come out into the light. Come and receive the, the cleansing that's offered in Jesus. Only by going to Him and casting yourself before Him are you able to receive that cleansing and to leave today with a clean conscience and your guilt done away with. Jesus has the power to deal with your defilement and with your sin. 
We only need to cry out to Jesus like this leper. Just like the leper, we have nowhere else to go. So we must identify with the leper's predicament. We must emulate the leper's posture. Thirdly, we must rest in the Lord's purpose. We must rest in the Lord's purpose. And we see this at the beginning of verse 13. It says, And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will. I will. So the only question that's left on the leper's mind is, does Jesus want to heal me? I know Jesus can heal me. He's got that power. But Jesus, do you want, are you willing to heal even a person like me? Well, Jesus doesn't leave him hanging. Jesus responds immediately in a powerful way. The Gospel of Mark records that Jesus was moved with pity or compassion. And even though Luke doesn't make that explicit, it's clear in the actions that Jesus took. It says that he stretched out his hand. Even before he spoke a word, he moved towards this man. The exact opposite that every single person in Israel had done up to that point. Everybody else had moved away from this man. And yet Jesus, in a first move, before he says anything, he moves towards him. Can you imagine the first person in years to lean towards him? to reach out a hand, and to touch him. He's not recoiling from this unclean man. This man will not make him unclean, and so he reaches out and touches him. Jesus has a concern for this man. And in that moment, this leper felt the touch of another human being. And in that touch, he felt the love that Jesus had for him. But but notice that before Jesus heals, before he goes about cleansing him and and actually performing the miracle, he, he, he states the fact that he indeed does desire to heal. He could have left that unsaid and just healed him. But instead, he says, I will. He's saying that, making clear that his purpose indeed is to heal and to restore. You see, Jesus wasn't healing reluctantly. He was healing willingly. He he was making it clear that this is something he wants to do. He's got the power to do it, and he wants to do it for this man. And friends, this same Jesus has purpose to cleanse sinners of their sin. He came to seek and to save the lost. He came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He came for unclean, broken, defiled people like you and for me. Jesus came and moved towards defiled persons such as us. And this is the good news for us today. That just as Jesus was willing to cleanse the leper that day, he's willing and desirous to cleanse us today. Jesus stands before us with open arms that we would come to him and embrace the cleansing that he offers. He leans towards us to touch us in our defilement because he wants to cleanse you. His purpose is to save sinners and to cleanse sinners of their sin. You see, nothing should keep us from running to Jesus with all of our sin, with all of our guilt. We have nowhere else to turn and he has compassion on us He has reached out to us in the gospel. He has shown us that he is not looking to cast anyone away from him. People who go to Jesus do so on their own accord because Jesus said, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Jesus 
welcomes us. No matter how defiled we are, no matter how disfigured we are, because of our past, because of our sin, because of our choices. Don't let your defilement keep you from Jesus because he's welcomed you to come. So I ask you this morning, do you find rest knowing that Jesus has purposed to save sinners like yourself? Can you rest in his purpose? That that's what he set about to do? This is key to us experiencing cleansing. We must know that Jesus has purpose to save and we must rest in that. Fourthly, the fourth key in this passage is that we must believe the Lord's power. We rest in the Lord's purpose. We now must believe in the Lord's power. And we see this in the rest of verse 13 and into 14. He says, Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, I will. And then he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. It's here that we reach the climax of the passage. This is the miracle that happens. Is Jesus going to do it? Indeed, he does. He comes through and he makes it happen. It's powerful. He speaks the word, the command, be clean. And the leper is instantly, immediately, completely cleansed. We said that through, the, love, through the, the touch of Jesus, the leper no doubt felt the love of Christ communicated for him. But it's through the powerful words of Jesus that the man was freed of this disease. Now, Jesus did multiple things with this healing. He didn't just make a, a, a ceremonial or religious declaration. All right, I'll arbitrarily call you clean now. You're not, I'm not going to call you unclean, I'll call you clean. No, he actually changed the fabric of this man's cells. He, he caused the virus or bacteria that was causing his condition to leave. And he also creatively restored the flesh that had been damaged or lost because of the disease. And then in this, he declares him clean. Now this man, this leper, would eventually hear the words of the priest in Jerusalem declare him to be, to be cleansed. But here, he was pronounced clean by the very one who made him clean. It's important to see here that Jesus' power cut right through this disease. You see, this man's history and his condition was not an obstacle too high for Jesus' power. He was not too vile to be cleansed. He was not too far gone to be restored. Jesus mightily embraced the power given him by the Spirit of God and used it to show that he was the divine Messiah. He was announcing to Israel that he was the heavenly sent one to bring about the kingdom because he is making lepers clean. In addition to the healing, Jesus then gives a few commands to this newly cleansed man. Some that might cause us to scratch our head. Look at verse 14. It says, And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. Now, many people have scratched their heads about why Jesus wanted this man to be quiet. Why he didn't want him to say anything about the healing. I believe that Jesus wanted this man to wait to say something about his healing until after he had gone through the prescribed ceremonies. 
In other words, he wanted him to go to Jerusalem to present himself to the priest, go through that ceremony, and then come out and be able to tell along with the certificate of cleanness from the Jewish authorities. This would be the best for the man, for him to be able to re-enter society, to have that for the people to believe him because the priests have given him the clean bill of health. And his testimony of a miraculous healing will go hand in hand with this authentication from the priest. He gets, someone could go around claiming he was healed, but once he's got a certificate of cleansing from the priest, people know that he was previously defiled, and now he is cleansed, and so therefore proving that the miracle indeed did happen. Now, the offering mentioned here that Jesus tells them about is described in Leviticus 14, where it's an, over an eight-day process that he's, uh, there's some doves involved, there's uh, some other animals that are involved in the sacrifice uh, but through this ceremony, the leprous person is now declared clean. And we note here that by Jesus instructing this man to go through these ceremonies, he is showing his high regard for the Mosaic Law. Jesus did not come to trample upon the Mosaic Law. He came to fulfill it. He says, I did not come to abolish it, Matthew 5, but I came to fulfill the law. Here we see him living within that law. And yet he is Lord of the law as well, as we will see uh, in coming chapters. So Jesus says, by, him, by this man going to the authorities, by going through this sacrifice, he would be a proof to them. I believe it's a proof not only to the religious establishment, but a proof to the rest of society. That this would be proof that God's power is indeed working through Jesus. It would be a testimony to Jesus' messianic credentials. It also be proof of his healing, as we've said. And so, Jesus, through his mighty power, heals this man and enables him to re-enter society, enabling him to have his life back, and yet in a new and fresh way. And so, as we think about the healing power of Jesus, we are reminded that the promise of full pardon and full cleansing of sin is offered today to us through Jesus. But we must believe that Jesus has the authority and that he has the power to do this. We must believe that he is indeed God's representative. We must believe that he is the only one who can take away our sin. We can only find cleansing through Jesus. And I want you to see this and turn with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. John here speaks about cleansing that comes from Jesus and makes it explicitly clear for us that I believe is helpful for us to think about this morning. First John chapter 1. We're going to read verse 5 through chapter 2, verse 2. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, 
we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. There's a few things I want to know, you to note from this passage. First, verse 5 the standard is God's character. Look at it, verse 5. This is the message that we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. This speaks to the purity, the holiness, the radiance of God. That he is absolutely holy, absolutely pure. His character is the standard. And there is no darkness at all. But notice also through this passage, what's the problem that John's seeking to address? What's the foundational problem? It's sin. In fact, the word sin is almost in every verse of this chapter, or of these verses that I read. It's also described as walking in darkness. John is wanting to help the people to deal with the sin in their life and to help them deal with where they walk in darkness. But notice the secondary problem that's identified in these verses, and that is denying our sin. Denying our sin. That not only is there sin that he's trying to help people identify, but help them to realize that for them to deny that they even have a problem, that they even have sin, is an even deeper problem. He says that if we, if we deny it, verse 8, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have not sinned, verse 10, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. By denying the sin of our own hearts and lives, we deceive ourselves we put blinders on. We're not seeing our world or ourselves accurately. And nor are we seeing God accurately. In fact, we are making God a liar. We're saying something about God if we deny our sin. So in all of this, what's the solution? What's the, what's the solution that John presents to us? Well, it's, it's time and time again. It's Jesus Christ. He, he keeps putting Jesus before us. He says in verse 7 that it's the blood of Jesus, his son, that cleanses us from all sin. Verse 9, it says that he forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, Jesus who will stand in our place and speak on our behalf to the holy God. And it's Jesus who's the propitiation for our sins and for all in humanity who would place their faith in Jesus. Propitiation means that he bears the wrath of God on our behalf. He takes our place. There upon the cross as he was crucified, the wrath of God came upon Jesus Christ. So the wrath of God does not have to come upon you. That is what Jesus does for us. He cleanses us. He cleanses us of our defilement, of our sin, and he takes the wrath of God for us on our behalf. But what must we do to receive this cleansing? Throughout this passage, John tells us we must walk in the light as he is in the light. Walking in the light means that we, number one, confess our sins. That we don't shy away from being honest about our sin. We've got to face it square in the eyes, call it for what it is. 
any sort of making excuses for it, any sort of of cloaking it in terminology that that tries to lessen the, the brunt of it doesn't count. We've got to call it for what it is. And friends, the gospel enables us to be honest, truly honest, deep down about our sin without having to be afraid. Why can we, why can we pull the curtain back and, 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 and confess all of our sin and all of its ugliness? Because God already knows that ugliness and that he's promised to cleanse us of that ugliness through the blood of Jesus Christ. He knew exactly what he was cleansing when he bled upon that cross. He knew that sin already. Therefore, we do not need to hide it from him. We simply need to confess it. And if we confess, verse 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you catch that all? It's all is in verse 7. All are, cleanses us from all our sin. Verse 9 cleanses us from all unrighteousness. There's no piece of our sin, no piece of our defilement that's left off the table. We are completely cleansed. And so, friends, just as the leper 2,000 years ago had to believe and trust the power of Jesus to heal his leprosy, so you and I today must trust his power to cleanse us of our sin. You are not too vile to be cleansed. Your history is not so much an obstacle, too high for him to overcome. You are not too far gone to be restored. The cleansing of your conscience, the cleansing of your record, the cleansing of your guilt is available to you if you would look to Jesus Christ, your advocate, who bled on your behalf. You must confess your sin, throw yourself upon his mercy as the leper did, and plead with him to save, believing that he is both desirous and able to do so. Well, this brings us to our fifth and final key to finding cleansing through Christ. Our fifth and final key. And that is, declare the Lord's preeminence. Declare the Lord's preeminence. Preeminence simply meaning the best, the greatest, number one. You see, one who has been cleansed by the Lord can't help but telling others about the great one who cleansed him. It goes from transformation out through the lips to tell all who will hear. We want to tell others about the great one we have just encountered. And we see the leper demonstrating this in our passage. Flip back with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke 5 verse 15. But now even more the report about Jesus, about him, went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. After this event, the news spread quickly. Mark, the Gospel of Mark tells us that the lepers actually started telling people right away, somewhat disregarding Jesus' command. But he had a message to tell. He had amazing news to share. And he wanted them to know about the healing power of Jesus. And so as this message spread, as with the other miracles, the news just continued to spread like, like rocks thrown into the pond and the ripples just keep going out. Another rock thrown into the ripples going out. This news just continues to spread through Galilee and through the country. Pretty soon, those down in Jerusalem and Judea are going to know much more too because this leper is coming down to be cleansed. There are so many people flocking to Jesus 
that Mark tells us that he could no longer minister in towns. In other words, he, he would kind of get near the cities and there'd just be such a crowd of people that he had to retreat out to the desolate places just to be able to preach to people. And we see that this man couldn't keep quiet. He wanted the world to know of the amazing love, the amazing grace, and the amazing power of Jesus. His life was forever changed. Not only was the disease taken away, but he was truly changed. He was no longer required to shout, unclean, unclean. But now he could go around and say, I'm clean because of Jesus. I'm clean because of Jesus. That's what he wanted to shout to everyone that passed by. And folks, this is what transformation looks like today too. When someone is transformed by Jesus, they don't turn into a closet Christian where they simply hide their faith. If they've encountered the, li the living Lord, then they want to declare that to all around. If they've truly been cleansed by the blood of Jesus to where there is now no record of debt that stands against them, that there is no guilt upon their hearts, if they've trusted him alone for their salvation, then they will speak of that amazing grace. And I believe this is what our country needs right now. We need people who are Christ followers, who have trusted in the gospel of Christ, and who are willing to be bold and to speak for Jesus in this day and in this hour. Many of you sat through an evangelism class that we offered. If you weren't able to catch that, I encourage you to listen to it online. We need to be equipped to be clear with the gospel so that we can lead people to the Messiah. We can lead people to Christ, the only place that they can find cleansing. Well, our passage ends with a note about Jesus. Look in verse 16. It says, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In the midst of the rising popularity and fame, the news spreading all around about this Jesus, he did not seek the crowds. Instead, he sought the face of his father. He wanted, most of all, to be communing with his heavenly father. And I make a simple note in passing that I believe we too, in our busy day and age of notifications and headlines that change by the hour, schedules that are filled with all sorts of things, that if we're going to have meaningful communion with the Lord, we too need to withdraw. Do we not? We need to pull away. We need to set the devices down. We need to turn off the screens. And we need to go face to face with the Lord. For some of you, it's maybe been a while since it's just been you and Him. But I encourage you, exhort you, make time for that. Experience the joy of communing with your Heavenly Father. Coming to Him clothed in the righteousness of His Son and the righteousness of Christ. So folks, we need to remember that our only hope for cleansing is in Jesus. We must throw ourselves upon him and ask him to save us. If we follow these keys that we see exemplified here in this text, then you can go home today with a clean conscience, having been washed by the blood of Christ. Now if you have heard this message this morning and you need to talk to somebody, there's a weight upon your conscience, I encourage you to talk to someone. Come down, I'd be happy to talk with you, pray with you, Talk to somebody else near you that you know will listen to you. Don't go home today without dealing with that pricked conscience that the Spirit has placed upon you today. Let's pray together.
Our God and Father, we thank you for this passage that shows the mighty power of Jesus that you exhibited in which he cleansed this leper, forever changed. Father, we know that through Jesus, we are forever changed as well. We thank you for this gift of salvation that you've given to us. And I pray for those who are here, who are hearing me, maybe on the live stream, who know, Lord, that they are not cleansed, that they have not been washed by the blood of Christ, that they have not repented of their sin. May they go to Jesus today. May they cast themselves before him and find cleansing forevermore. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.